podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all that thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. Hello and welcome back to episode 80 of the Disunomics podcast. As is the tradition, a shout out to those who listened to the previous week's episode 79 with my boy Daryl, a therapist. I think this is probably in my top three or five episodes ever. We discussed the differences between the sexes. Um, it was a gender differences podcast. We discussed how men and women differ from a biological perspective, how it manifests in day-to-day life, back in the workplace and relationships and all that type of stuff. A lot of our discussions was backed by evidence. So it was an interesting discussion and one that we don't really see when people discussing men and women, but they don't bring any evidence. They just throw in a lot of narratives and cliches and all that type of stuff. So make sure you check it out. I believe quite a lot of people learned from that one and quite a lot of people enjoy that. So shout out to you lot. If you're listening to this, this is the last podcast before my live show on Sunday, November the 4th, 7, doors open at 7, finishes at 11-ish. Um, all the tickets are sold out. I released an extra batch. They went, I released another batch and they went. So if you can get tickets, don't cry, don't beg. You had plenty of time. However, there will be a very, very small amount of tickets on the door. So if you want to roll, I would get there pronto because once they're done they're done and going there to catch an L is not really good so if you're bang on coming make sure you I'll say get there for like seven latest type of thing you feel anyway this week's episode is just me it's been a hectic weekend um my guest gonna make it so I want to give you guys a short but important episode with regards to fiscal policy Oh, also shout out my boy um, Keith, Mr. Exposed. He's been on a couple of my podcasts, maybe two or three. It was his birthday this week, so a young shout out to my man. Hi, guys, MXM, and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. Yes, episode 80. So we're talking fiscal policy. Governments use certain types of policies to manipulate the economic conditions in their country or it could be region. So if you're talking the ECB, that's a sovereign body, they will use uh, monetary policy to manipulate economic conditions in the in the Eurozone. If it's a country like the UK, they will use um, certain economic policies to manipulate the economic conditions currently. So what is the definition of fiscal policy? Um, I one of my favorite websites for definitions and like simple breakdowns of um, topics in economics and finance in general is Investopedia. And Investopedia describes fiscal policy as the usage of government spending and tax policies to influence macroeconomic conditions. And some of these macroeconomic conditions are aggregate demand, employment, inflation, and growth. So, in layman's terms, fiscal policy is where the government either decides to spend more in term or spend less or increase tax or decrease tax to get the economic outcome that they desire. And some of the conditions they're looking at is aggregate demand, so that's the total demand in the economy. And aggregate demand is comprised of 
you get consumption. So that's the standard consumption that us um, consumers um, embark on. So spending money at the shop, that's consumption. Buying a house, that's consumption. Investment. So investing in your business, investing in stocks and shares, all that type of stuff. Um, government spending, which is going to be very key. So when government spends on schools or the NHS, then you've also got um, X minus M, which is exports minus imports. So that's the balance of payments. So the, what we sell compared to what we take in. So that constitutes as aggregate demand. Employment, which is pretty self-explanatory. Inflation, which is the general price level in the economy. And growth, you want your country to be growing at a steady rate which um, plenty of countries have been struggling with quite recently. So fiscal policy is all about increase and decrease in government expenditure and um, tax. So G&T, like the drink, but I always see it as G&T because it's just easy. So just think of gin and tonic. And that drink is actually terrible, by the way. Really, really bad. Really, really bad. Anyway, there's two types of, um, of fiscal policy, expansionary and contractionary. So from the usage of those words, you could probably tell what they what they do. So how this podcast, this short like information podcast is going to run, I'm going to tell you what expansionary is, the advantages and disadvantages, and same for contractionary, and then a, a nice roundup at the end. So in terms of expansionary fiscal policy, this is when you either decrease taxation or you increase government spending. And then you do this to fight recessionary pressures. Um, a recession is when you get two quarters, so two three-month periods, when you're when there's negative growth, and this is a sign that your economy is getting smaller and it's not a very good thing. So, if you want to fight that, you could either use an expansionary fiscal policy. Let's say the UK, we can either decrease the tax levels, which we're seeing in America, like Trump came in and he, and he decreased um, corporation tax, which is a tax paid by businesses from like thirty-one percent to like nineteen percent. Or you can increase government expenditure, government expenditure. And this is one thing that um, Jeremy Corbyn was quite keen on doing. He wanted to increase spending on schools, on the hospitals, all that type of stuff. The decrease in, this is how it works. The decrease in tax levels means that we have more disposable income. So if as a government, I said, I got in power, I don't know, in 2020, and I said, yeah, we're reducing income tax to 5% and reducing corporation tax to 12%. All that type of stuff there. Now, you have the same job. So let's say you're getting 50K and after tax, you're getting like 35 grand, for example. This is just, I'm just guessing. If I decrease the tax levels significantly enough that instead of getting 35 grand a year after tax, you're now getting 40 grand a year after tax, you have an extra 5K worth of money for disposable income. So you're more likely to spend more because you've got more to spend. So that will lead to a multiplier effect because less tax means more actual income that you can actually use and you're now using that to consume goods and services which is increasing consumption which is a part of accurate demand as I explained a few minutes ago which then increases um, GDP gross domestic product which is an increase in growth of the economy so that's how they combat theoretically um, recessionary pressures because you're reducing taxes which is increasing the amount of money that we can spend. We're going to the shops, we're spending this money, which is increasing consumption, which is increasing the aggregate demand curve, which is increasing GDP, which is growth. The decrease in tax levels also indicates to businesses that the government wants to revive the economy. So that's why some businesses were a fan of Trump because they believe, yeah, like he wants to 
boost um, boost business because he wants to reduce taxes and stuff like that. Oh, sorry. Arsenal's on in the background and they're losing me. Thank God for that. Um, so, if there's increased confidence and quite a lot of what goes on in the markets is, is, is based on confidence, if businesses are more confident of um, the government's outlook on the economy and, and their intentions, they're more likely to invest, which is part of also part of the aggregate demand curve. So if businesses are more likely to invest and they're investing more, not only do um, we benefit from increasing growth from just the increase in investment, but also leads to a multiplier effect because increased investment means that businesses are going to grow and businesses are going to grow. They're going to be able to hire more people and that's going to lead to less unemployment. The increase in government expenditure, as I said, government expenditure is also part of the aggregate demand curve. It will, it will increase the aggregate demand in the economy, which is also increase um, gross domestic products. But it also, because government spending is a component of gross domestic products, it also leads to indirect increases in consumption because now you're spending more on schools and all that type of stuff. Maybe staff are getting paid more and then they can you know, go and consume more. So what are the downsides of expansionary fiscal policy? It sounds pretty decent so far, doesn't it? One of the downsides is that the increased business activity and consumption could lead to inflation because you're consuming more, so the demand for goods and services is getting higher. So when the demand for stuff gets higher, you know, dysnomics listeners know that businesses can now charge more. Like, for example, Yeezys are popular. The resale prices are insane because they could charge more because of the demand for it. Um, as well as there's more business activity, more goods and services being produced. This could lead to the general price levels in the economy getting higher. However, it's important to note that when you're in a recession, this doesn't really matter as much. You don't really um, suffer from the causes of this. Uh, also, expansion fiscal policy can lead um, can be implemented when you reduce the tax rates. The problem with this is that if you reduce the tax rates, it's likely that you can also reduce the tax receipts that you receive, which could lead to deficit spending when you're basically spending more than going above your means, sorry. Um, why I'm not too sure about this is because sometimes a reduction in tax rates can also lead to increase in tax receipts because you're um, taxing at a more efficient rate. Um, there's a thing called the Lafer, Lafer curve, which I, I think I've explained on my podcast before, but I'm going to get into now. So, for example, I think kind of, I think France was one of the countries that decreased their tax rates and benefited from an increase in tax receipts. So it's very possible for that to um, occur. So that's something to bear in mind. Also, um, a potential disadvantage of expansionary fiscal policy is that this could lead to a decrease in public in private sector spending because businesses might prefer an investor, sorry, might prefer to invest in a more low risk government bonds instead of a higher risk corporate bonds. So that's another potential downside to um, expansionary fiscal policy. So what's the Opposite of expansion, contraction. So we have contractionary physical policy, which kind of mirrors in with what we've seen with austerity. And those who listen to my podcast knows I'm not the biggest fan of that. Uh, contractionary physical policy is where you either increase tax rates or you decrease government spending. That, the idea is to kind of siphon money out of the private 
economy to slow down unstable production or just to reduce asset prices, which is, okay, I'll come on to that later. Increased taxes, more time, aren't really seen as viable in today's um, economies. We more, we're more likely to see a decrease in government spending as a more popular um, implementation of contractually fiscal policy, which can also be known as austerity. Less government spending is meant to aid the deficit. So, okay, is I think Theresa May used an example of where she's talking about it like a... Was it Theresa May or Janet Yellen? No, I think it was Theresa May. Was talking about being a responsible household. And she's like talking about how when things get a bit sticky for a British household, they will, you know, tighten up. They won't spend as much. They'll be more prudent. And then that's how she described what government are trying to do is, you know, be a bit more prudent. We've got a big deficit, blah, blah, blah. The problem with that is that the defi- a significant portion of the deficit is derived from the Bank of England's, um, what's it called? Qu- quantitative easing. So, the deficit in the UK isn't as large as people want to imagine. And another point about this deficit is that the UK, a, a country, is not the same as a household. Like, you have you have to balance your books as a household and there's a finite, hard-line end of your life. Like, you can die. <laughs> no, not even you can die. You will die. It sounds a bit grim. But a country doesn't really die. Like, you're eternal. So, you still have ample amount of time to manage your finances. So it's a bit strange how they always try to equate it to a household. Like a country's completely different. Like you don't die. So that's that's just a quick point um, alongside that. In terms of what contractionary physical policy aims to do is to stabilise prices and increase consumer confidence. It's to slow down inflation because you're reducing government spending, which is going to uh, reduce aggregate demand, which is going to bring the curve down, which is going to bring price levels down. And also, you can increase interest rates as well, which will further reduce um, demand because if you're if you're increasing interest rates, it's going to, first of all, it's going to be more costly for businesses businesses to borrow. So you're going to get see a reduction in investment, and also it's taking money out of the taking money out of circulation because if you increase interest rates the incentive to save is now higher because you're getting more returns on your savings so you're not going to spend as much you're going to save more and that that's how it reduces the money supply and also reduces demand the disadvantages of this type of policy is that one con- we've been seeing austerity measures in places like Greece places like the United Kingdom the pigs countries so that's Portugal Italy Ireland Greece, as I mentioned, and Spain. Has it really improved consumer confidence? Absolutely not. (laughs) With regards to the uh, money supply shortening, this also slows production due to restricted borrowing. You can't invest to go and get more machinery to improve your custom do-rag line. It's reducing your operations, your manufacturing, and that's quite hard to gear back up again. So reducing money supply can also reduce and slow production, which is also reducing aggregate, aggregate supply. Also, the reduction in money supply also leads to a reduction in prices, a re- reduction in aggregate demand, which is all in all a reduction in growth. And that's why austerity doesn't work. And as I said, increase in unemployment. Companies aren't hiring as much because demand isn't there. 
And so if the demand isn't if the, if the demand in the consumption side of things isn't there, so the demand for your goods or services isn't there, then the demand for the people who to implement and create these products also isn't there. There's also less demand for labor. So that's going to increase unemployment, which obviously isn't very good. <laughs> so me personally, as you could probably tell from my comments as I've been discussing uh, and analysing a um, fiscal policy, I'm not a fan of contractually fiscal policy. The proof is in the pudding. Like Austerity doesn't work. It's really, really terrible. And what's quite interesting, because we've got the whole Brexit malarkey going on. Uh, I was meant to have a Brexit, Brexit podcast this week, but my guest couldn't make it. Um, one of the problems with, the EC, uh, with, uh, with Brexit, not Brexit, with the European Union is that you have, every country has their own fiscal policy, which I've explained. Some might do contractually, some might do expansionary. But the issue is that with this, there's only one monetary policy body, which is the ECB. So in terms of impacting the money supply, interest rates and that type of stuff, that's done, that's down to European Central Bank. So if all countries in the Eurozone, they can't control that but they can control their own fiscal policy. And this is nuts because you get countries like Greece, for example, who can borrow based off Germany's AAA credit rating. And you know how credit is. Like if you're, I don't know, if you've got really poor credit, you're not going to be able to borrow and get the same interest rates as somebody like, I don't know, I'm guess, I'm assuming Roman Abramovich has a fantastic um, credit rating or Alan Sugar. You, you're not going to be able to get the same type of loans, but countries like Greece have been able to. So, that just kind of shows part of the mess that the Eurozone currently is in in terms of structurally, like it's really poorly built economically in terms of the structure. How could every man be doing whatever they want fisc fiscally, but there's one lockstep monetary policy. It doesn't really make sense. So that's something that obviously I'd like to analyse at a later date. But yeah, a very quick and short information-packed podcast on fiscal policy. I hope you listeners enjoyed Please note that I'm now on Spotify. So if you're an Android user and you're not too much of a fan of SoundCloud because some of my podcasts can be quite lengthy and if, if a podcast is, what's it called? I don't know, like an hour. If you're listening on SoundCloud but you want to leave SoundCloud to do something else or listen later, you have to start again. But obviously on Spotify and you're an Android user, you can follow me, Disanomous on Spotify, and then it, you can download it to listen on the tube or on the airplane and you can pick up from where you left off. So make sure you follow me on Spotify. If you like SoundCloud, please follow me on SoundCloud. The podcast comes straight to your feed as with Spotify. And Apple Podcast users, please subscribe, download, because it boosts my stats. I can come high up in the ratings and them. And also give me a nice review, preferably five stars. For all those who bought tickets to my live show next week, thank you very much. I hope we're gonna, you have a fantastic time come ready to mingle there'll be plenty of people who are interested from different lines of work that will um, be willing to mingle hopefully buy you drinks all that type of stuff I'm a very friendly person on occasion but on that day I'll be friendly so come and say hello and also shout out to everybody who I bump into on the road to, to say to listen to our podcast I'm really appreciative of all of you and yeah thank you for listening to Dysonomics it's been episode 80 until next week peace Podcast Network.